God's house is supposed to be. We come to you. Father, just as we are seeking whatever you have for us today, we know it's going to be good. It's going to be a blessing too. It's going to build us up. It's going to encourage us. Whatever you have, whatever you're serving today, God, you set the table and we come and dine. We thank you, Lord, that we will have a listening ear today. We will hear what you are saying to us. And we thank you, Lord, for great understanding that you're going to give us today from your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen. So uh, the Lord gave me a prophecy for today, and I'll share it with you and, and do some expounding on it, teaching you from it, because I think it's uh, timely and important for us uh, to know exactly what God wants us to understand. Uh, and so uh, this one is uh, entitled, Keep Your Lamps Filled with Oil and Wicks Trimmed. Keep your lamps filled with oil and your wicks trimmed. And of course, it's from Matthew chapter 5. Uh, let me see. The Lord is saying oil is a vehicle to keep the fire burning. Fire is the important part. See, the fire is the important part. Fire is the necessity. Fire provides light, heat. It destroys impurities. Fire purifies and refines. It is a necessity. Pyromaniacs are people that play with fire, are fascinated by it. There are many such people among my people, says the Lord. The pyromaniac likes to see what the fire does but is not skilled at handling it and does not desire to become skilled. They run from church to church, meeting to meeting, collecting experiences that they do not understand. They collect titles, gifts, names of famous people, but I'm changing all that, says the Lord. I'm calling forth to the forefront the bride who knows how to keep the light shining, the watchman, the light keeper, who keeps a constant supply of oil, and is content keeping the vessel filled and the wick trimmed. She does not burn out or let the light go out and pursue other things. Many in the limelight burned out long ago. They have a gift upon them, and the light from within has ceased to burn. Some are aware, some are unaware, that the light does not burn within anymore. This strange fire is not of me and will consume them and others if they do not return to me. My faithful bride has continued to serve me and has used uh, often meager resources to keep her lamp filled with oil. Some who despise the process of tending their spirits and being faithful where I have placed them have drifted off and follow the limelight the title, the crowd, the man-centered life, only to find deception, frustration, and loss. Pull away from the limelight. Dust off the lamp, and I will fill you again with pure oil. Trim your wicks. Find a place where you may yield to me, and I will ignite you afresh. For the bridegroom cometh, and will, will unite with those who love my appearing, and are not too busy to tend their lamps. I am coming as I promised. I am faithful and true, and I am coming. Amen? 
Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. We thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you to give us understanding, Lord, what we need to know and how we need to respond. Lord, I thank you that you singled out the watchman, the one who has been faithful, the one who has been uh, doing your will, Father. We know we don't uh, do things without needing correction, so we expect to be corrected. We expect to be encouraged. This is not a spiritual pat on the back, but this is instruction for your church, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So if you turn to Matthew chapter, is it 25 or 5? Wait a minute. Hold it. (laughs) I think it's 25. I have my numbers all goofed up a little bit. Yeah. It's a parable about the ten virgins. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So these are, uh, you know, in the Jewish wedding feast, you know the story, the typical Jewish wedding feast, uh, the marriage really was done, the ceremony was done uh, in what we term the honeymoon or the consummation of the marriage was put off until the bridegroom felt in his heart it was time. I know this is, it seems goofy in our society because, number one, most people don't even bother to get married. And then we got all these women out pursuing men. They ain't waiting for nobody to ask them for nothing. You know, just, we got too many women stalking out here. You know, speed dialing you 50 times a day and that, you know, can't breathe. And so uh, this was done at the bridegroom's discretion. There was a waiting period between the speaking of the vows and the consummation of the marriage. And it was really decided by the bridegroom during that period of time. It was... uh, uh, known that uh, the bride was being tested and the groom as far as their faithfulness and their commitment to one another. So when the bridegroom felt that the testing period was over, what they would do would be to uh, announce to the groomsmen, his party, that the wedding feast was being set. So the wedding feast was set at a particular time, it didn't take a year to plan a wedding. Amen. Everybody yeah. knew what their place and their position would be. And so it, typically what they would do, he and his party would start a parade and go down to the bride's home. And she was given a certain length of time to get prepared and come down and join the bridegroom. Amen. That's why the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour when the coming of the Lord will be but the Father. No, he even tell the Son. You got me? And so when we understand the typical Jewish wedding and their customs, we can understand how Jesus is talking about staying faithful to him and realizing he could really come at any time, even though most of us get a little relaxed in it. But there's still, I believe Christians who are doing the Lord's will are still anticipating his return, even if they don't try to put a date on it. They accept the fact 
that God can come with very short notice to his bride. And so uh, when the Bible says that he will come with a shout and a trump and the voice of the archangel and split the sky, that's kind of an instant thing. And so the ones who are alive should be ready to meet the Lord in the air. You got me? And so that's how the rapture of the church will take place. And it was very, very similar to a Jewish wedding feast. Now, when the bridegroom called for you, the party stood out in the street and the, the uh, bride had to have the ability to find her garments, to call her attendants together and all that. And you need light to do that. You can't be stumbling in the dark and do that. You didn't know if he was going to come during the daylight hours or if it would be at night. So if it was going to be at night, you had your lamp beside your bed, and you kept it full of oil, anticipating, well, this man loves me, and I've been faithful. He could come at any time. And that's the way it was done. So the oil was merely the vehicle to keep the light burning so that you could find your way, and you would not miss the bride, the bridegroom's coming because he's only going to come one time. See, if you're not ready, that means you either didn't take it seriously or you decided this ain't the one. You understand what I said at the last minute? Or something was wrong there because you weren't anticipating his sudden appearing. And so when, when we talk about having our oil, having enough oil to, to in the lamp to guide us correctly to where the groom is, then that refers to our being loyal to God, us being filled with the Spirit, doing the Lord's will. Because when he comes, there's a knowing on the inside of us that the Lord's appearing is imminent. I mean, we will know these things by the Spirit. But if you're not filled with the Spirit, and you're not the type of person who stays attentive in the realm of the Spirit, you will miss the Lord's coming. You got me? It's a spiritual happening. Uh, now, I've always believed that, and people, there are some people believe the rapture will be such an obvious thing that, you know, the Lord will crack the sky, everybody will see it, and they'll see people disappearing and all. I'm not so sure about all of that, because if it's consistent with the Hebrew tradition of marriage, it's possible to miss that even if you say you're waiting for him got me it is possible so that's why the parable is here to tell us that it's possible to miss it you got me it's possible to miss what the lord is doing and so we need to understand the key components of of what's going to get us there and get us there on time and that is that we have a lamp that it be filled with oil and that the wicks be trimmed so that the light will carry us to our destination you got me you won't get there without the light there are many people who are hoping it'll be something they'll be able to see in the natural and it won't be a spiritual occurrence but there's no guarantee that it's going to be that it looks to me as though it's something that will happen in the midst of darkness or gross darkness so that most people won't even know what's going on you got me only those who stay filled stay trimmed stay ready and anticipate we'll be able to step into that place of being raptured with the Lord and, and go on to be with the Lord. 
So anyway, it says that the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. So that's 50% of the people who say they're waiting for the Lord or Christians or whatever, body of Christ, however you want to say it. There's a 50-50 chance <laughs> for, for everybody to make it. You understand what I'm saying? So out of this, this uh, percentage of people, about half of them will understand that God's uh, coming is imminent because he has given us signs in the word. Amen. He tells us you can discern if anybody who uh, looks out at the sky and sees it cloudy, you know it's probably going to rain. And so he said you can discern natural signs of changes in the weather, but you have to be able to discern spiritual signs to know what's going on with me. So you have to really stay in the word. You have to understand prophecy and what it means for, for the people of God. You have to understand uh, what God is doing in the earth and learn how to follow him and understand where he's moving, what he's doing, etc. Uh, we know that there will be an end-time move of God, uh, and, and it won't be like any other revival we've seen. At least that's what we've been told. And so, but we don't know what it's going to, quote-unquote, look like. And so if we are to be wise, we'll inquire of God. God, what, what will be the sign of your appearing? What is it going to look like down here on earth? What can we expect and what can we anticipate? One of the things that I've noticed God doing uh, recently is working in the natural secular realm. Uh, and usually church revivals are just church revivals, and then they kind of hit the, the natural realm later. We get it first, and then it goes over into the natural. It doesn't seem to be going like that this time. See, it seems that God is opening up barriers, natural barriers, that uh, have hindered the church from having the freedom to do uh, what she wants to do. And those have to be removed first. So, see, God won't do things in a predictable pattern. And so we're going to know and understand and be where God wants us to be or where we should be at particular times. We have to inquire of the Lord to get an interpretation of what it is that he's doing in the earth. So this continual inquiry must be made so that God's people can be properly instructed and we can be properly led and prepared for what God is doing in the earth. And so it says here in verse, verse 2, five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They took their lamps and took no oil with them. Why would you do that? Why would you take a lamp without oil? Oh, they've been saying Jesus coming for years. He ain't coming. <laughs> so that's foolishness, and that's a lack of faith, lack of believing the scriptures, believing what's written. We have a sure word of prophecy right there, 66 books of that Bible that tells us everything that has happened and gives us evidence that everything God said about his son Jesus has come to pass. If you can believe the manger story, you can believe the crucifixion and the resurrection, you can believe he's coming again. Yeah. 
and to not believe it puts us in the category of foolish. Or why should I stay, keep working? And, and when it says they had no oil in their lamps, what it means is that they take their lamps down like an old relic somewhere in the back of the closet. They haven't taken care of it. They haven't used it. They haven't done so. The lamp really is the inner spirit of man. It's the light of God. The Bible says the, the candle, the, the spirit of man is the candle of God. So it's your inner man. It's your inner, what, what do you do in your inward parts to keep yourself strong, keep yourself believing God, keep yourself working for God, keep yourself preaching, keep yourself praying, stay off Facebook condemning people that you don't like, you got me, and, and get spiritual, keep your lamp filled, and act like you somebody in God, and quit acting like somebody who's a little carnal, crazy person. Huh? There's a lot of people I see on there. I like to tell them off too, but I don't have time for that. I'm trying to keep my lamp filled with oil and keep my wick trimmed. <laughs> you got me? I don't have time for nonsense, getting over in the flesh. And so there are many temptations for us to live in this false light that the Lord calls the limelight. It's an outer light and not an inner. See, many people love that outer, huh? How many people do you have in your church? How big is your ministry? What's your title? Uh, how many bookings you got? Where do you travel and where do you go? And keeping up with everybody else is where they go and what they do. huh? And that becomes their focus. And that inner light suffers because of this false outer thing that people have. That's why you got pastors winding up dead of drug overdose and god delivered them from drugs 20 years ago you see they don't keep that inner burning they don't stay filled with the oil of god and have their wicks trimmed and we'll talk about that when we get to that one so five were wise five were foolish they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them this is the church goer that thinks you know just showing up at church coming in going out you know, not being aware they have a spiritual condition that needs to be maintained, anything like that. They'd take your Bible with you and never open it. Yeah. See what I'm saying? It's the same thing. And so that's this, this Christian that is Christian in name only. Their activities don't ref reflect a living relationship with God. Their activities don't reflect a submission to God. You know, you can be in church, you can be praying, doing everything faithfully, but your heart's far from him. So if you if your lamp is filled with oil, your heart is totally given over to the Lord, and you wait in anticipation for instruction and direction from him until you decide which way you want to go. You understand? This is important to the wise virgin, that she uh, understand totally what God expects and so and, and does not want to miss anything that God is doing. You got me? And so the, the wise virgin is so invested in the things of God that she is, is doing even the, the most uh, uh, menial job 
she does it and does it with her whole heart you got me she does it with the full uh, weight of responsibility that even the small thing is important to the lord and so that's what it means to keep oil in your lamp to do things as unto the lord to be faithful where he's called you it doesn't matter who doesn't show up for prayer you got me you just stay faithful where god called you and keep your lamp filled amen and keep your light glowing now there's a place where what we have we share with other believers for instance if you if there are people in the in the ministry that you know don't pray often when they get in trouble you you help them out you pray for them you don't turn them down you know we don't we don't do that but it looks like that stops at a certain point huh look what it says there you read down further the ones that didn't have oil in their lamps they asked for their uh-uh, i can't pray for you this time you're on your own i don't have time See, there will come a time where you don't have time for dead weight. You don't have time for anchors. And I'm not saying you call time on that. But you'll know it by the Spirit because there will be an eminence to what God is doing. And then God will start to gather and separate out the wise from the foolish. And he will gather the wise of like precious faith together. Because he is looking for people of strength. It's time for the weaknesses to fall off. Because weak people will wind up dragging you back into that. And God does not want that at certain points. And so we have to be careful to always be attentive to what God wants us to do. Be attentive to what he's saying into your heart. What he's speaking to you. And where he wants to have you positioned. So it says the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps the foolish didn't have any while the bridegroom tarried they all slumbered and slept so there has been an alert sounded that the bridegroom is imminent but there's a, a lag in that attention span you see what i'm saying so there are some people who stay filled all the time even though the bridegroom delays his coming then there are some who don't put oil in their lamps because you know for whatever reason it's always an excuse you know i i'm too sick to come to prayer well if you come you get healed oh no i I, you don't understand you got me so those people never stay filled and never stay in that place you know there's something about people that they're afraid of total surrender you got me we always got to keep a little bit held back for us you know and an excuse to go along with it see well the excuse is going to always be there but you don't have opportunity all the time the opportunity comes and goes you see what i'm saying and so if we don't train ourselves to stay in that place of staying obediency and it's going to be a struggle that the person that that quits has the same the person that keeps going has the same temptation as the one who quits it's just all up to you how you look at it and what you decide do you see these as opportunities to serve god or do you see them as as problems that you need to kind of get rid of so that you can do what you want to do with your life and your time see and so if you see it as an opportunity 
to serve God and to do your best for him, then God will be with you. You will be the wise virgin. You'll be the one who's always ready, always filled, always obedient, always doing what God wants you to do. The other thing that that I think makes people wise is how they look at challenges to their faithfulness. You got me? How do you look at a challenge to your faithfulness? Do you look at that as an opportunity to uh, to skip what God wants you to do and put it off or uh, not do it or whatever? Or do have you matured now to the place of wisdom where you realize this is what you've been put in this earth for? You know, the, the, the job, you know, husband, the wife yes lord huh secondary see we put them on the front burner and even that's fake because you put something there on the front burner you ain't scared of dropping huh oh you you know what i can't i can't let you know i got kids at home i got when we want to drop what we're doing from God, that's an unwise thing to do. See? An unwise thing to do. Because God expects to be first in your life every day. I don't care who who you married to. He, He ordains himself to be first in your life every day. I don't care how many kids you have. You know, I, I look at sometimes how God teaches people, and I look at them 19 kids and counting people. You can't tell me God ain't ahead of the, the head of that whole household. Huh? They honor God first, raise their children according to the word and the admonition of the Lord. You can't tell me God ain't first in that family. Huh? And it's a whole bunch of them. And they love each other dearly. But they all know God comes first. You got me? So let's not, you know, get get this twisted and and start shuffling things around at our will. And just because we think we have an excuse not to obey God, we take it. You know, there's no excuse. And so the more you can stay dedicated to the Lord, once it becomes a habit to walk in the Spirit, and keep your lamp trimmed and, and your 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 lamp filled with oil and it becomes a regular for you, then anything opposite of that will repulse you and you won't want it. You won't give in to that temptation. But as long as you're giving in to temptation to put something ahead of God, it's going to be there. See, it's going to always present itself. And so we have to understand the foolish and the wise, it's the time when the bridegroom tarries and they slumber and sleep that they forget when they wake up they forget their routine you got me sleeping is not for forgetting your routine in god you know what i'm saying it's not in the fact that the lord puts off his his coming his second coming is no excuse for us to get discouraged that it's never going to happen you know, we need to go to the, the Bible and refresh ourselves in these scriptures and remind ourselves, you know, and make that more real to you. If you don't read it, it won't be real to you. But if you read it often, it'll be real to you. And you won't have to, you'll have patience in waiting for his appearing. You got me? There's some people that, that say, God told me he's going to come in my lifetime. And they did. And people have been dead so long. 
and we all still here. And you don't have to do that in order to anticipate his return. But my thing is, instead of talking about it all the time, trying to set a date on it and talk about what he's promised, just keep your, your lamp filled. Go work for God. Go do something for God that requires your spirit man to be invested in it. Go win a soul. Go pass out some bread to somebody. Go clean somebody's house that don't feel like getting up and doing an air say to God. Let's do some of those things that keep our faith alive and keep oil in our lamps. Amen. Some people want to be flying 90 miles an hour preaching and prophesying. Go, go treat your mother right. You understand what I'm saying? Go visit your, your sick auntie or your sick granny or somebody like that. And cut this foolishness out. Because you can live in the limelight and miss God. You can totally miss him. And he says here that while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, huh? at midnight, that's the time of midnight is the changing from one day to the next, from one phase, from one uh, uh, move of God to the next. So this is a midnight thing. And it goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. It happens as a transition from one release of God's power to the next release of his power. And so at midnight, things begin to change spiritually. And they're not the same as they were when you went to sleep. See, This thing happens in a twinkling of an eye. Or it happens in a, a, uh, a place where... It's, it's hard to determine what's going to happen and when's going to But I know one thing, if you stay filled, you keep oil in your lamp, you won't miss anything. So all you have to do is keep your routine of prayer. Keep your routine of serving God. Keep your routine of allowing God to use you and not being too busy with other things that you put God on the back burner. It said, at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. And so all of these women, the five ten and the five foolish, who have been waiting, they say, now it's interesting to find out what people say they're waiting for. You ask 50 people, you get 50 different answers. So we know that the announcement has not been made yet if everybody's got a different idea what they're waiting for. See, this cry that went out, the bridegroom cometh, comes as a cry in the spirit, and it begins to alert your heart and quicken your heart to a change somehow. And it's not a paradigm shift. It's a spiritual voice that speaks to you, a spiritual alertness that tells you something more is coming. The Lord's coming sometimes comes in increments. As he begins to descend down to earth, he sends his power, his word, and his glory ahead of him to announce his coming. So once the announcement's made... 
it doesn't say how much time there was before he finally descended down and landed so he could come in and we know that the lord has come in what we call dispensations so he's been on his way back here ever since he left In Acts chapter 2, I think it is. On at chapter 1. Verse 7. He said to them, this is Jesus speaking, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But the power, you will get some power, but this is the power you're going to get. So you don't have power to know when I'm coming back. He said, but I'm going to give you some power. He said, you handle what I give you to handle. because That you cannot handle. That's not for you. He said, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in jerusalem so the power for witnessing is the power that is put in the church's hands the power to demonstrate the goodness of god the power to heal the sick cast out devils uh, cleanse lepers all of that stuff is given to the church so jesus says i'm giving you that work with that keep oil in your lamps so you can continue to do that until i come back that's all you got to do and he says, you'll be witnesses to me all over the earth. And when he has spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These are angels, which also said, you men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing? into heaven didn't he tell you he got work for you to do y'all standing here staring up like he goes for a natural occurrence he said this same jesus which was taken up into heaven shall come in like manner And I believe that those who stood there gazing when they heard he was coming back, they looked for him to come back at any time. You got me? That's the faith that's left to us, like precious faith, for the Lord's appearing. When they stood there gazing and saw and were looking up and expecting him to come back, that's what we get when we get spirit-filled. We get that same faith that expects him to come back so we it's not hard then for us to expect the lord's return it's the time element that gets most people because in the meantime of us waiting for him or whatever we're doing till he comes i think it's best to stay filled with the spirit and work for god because you won't miss anything see if he's going to come in like manner he's preparing us for his return the bible says he's coming for a bride without spot wrinkle or any such thing which means your wicks are trimmed yeah. huh mm-hmm. 
But the faith is in the earth to anticipate the Lord's return and to work for him like he could come at any time. Because there are many Christians who live that way. You see the people who are always going off and preaching, going on missionary trips. The ones who are are, uh, with their prayer ministry. If prayer is your ministry, you continue to pray. That kind of thing. Those people know Even though they don't verbalize it, they're not living in a conscious awareness of that's what's motivating them. But that is what drives us to do what we do every day that we do it. It's the understanding that the Lord will return. And if he doesn't return while we're alive on earth, he's going to return anyway. You got me? There has to be an understanding of something more than this carnal temporal world down here that is in our heart somewhere in our faith that keeps us busy working for god other than that what are you doing it for you don't get paid for it not monetarily you know you get your reward for it and we know a greater reward awaits those who who finish with the lord and finish strong and complete their course who keep the faith throughout their lifetime but these are things are eternally known things they're internally perceived they're not things you can see on the outside and that's why the angels told him quit looking up what are y'all gazing at he's gonna come just like he left when it's time for him to come and so they and i believe what took them to the upper room was the anticipation of the lord's return because they had he says no man knows the day or the hour so that question was there somebody you think he's coming back tonight you think he's coming back tomorrow you think he's coming back today you think and that question rings in the hearts of all people of like precious faith See? you don't get that faith in a casual relationship with god because the people that stood there gazing was over 500 people they say and who received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? 120. So in that time, they lost more than half of their crowd. Amen? Because they didn't feel that it was imminent that they go about obeying God right away. They just went off and started doing other things. And so God is not alerting people who are busy doing other things because they won't be ready when it's time for him to return. And he says... <clears throat> At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out and meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So the trimming of the lamp really has to do with the amount of light that your life projects. Because the oil is what supplies the fuel for the light. God supplies the light. And so as as believers... We have, there's something that burns inside of us that causes a, a residue. You know, when the Bible talks about will come forth as pure gold, we're refined in the fire. Well, there is a residue of this burning effect in your life. Remember the Hebrew boys, they said they came out, they did not smell of smoke. It was a true refining fire. And so for those of us who stay in the place of testing long enough, there's little or no residue to be trimmed off your wick. Got me? But for those of us who fight, kick, struggle, 
leave prayer early because you ain't got sense enough to tell people you're too busy for their nonsense you got me there's a lot of stuff to trim off huh and if you don't trim it right see uh, a wick that's got you you've all seen it we have those little uh candles that we we use for the um the uh buffet in there they keep it hot some of them have wicks inside of them well if you, your wick is totally black even though it's got oil in it it won't catch fire because a part of it that's burnable has been burnt already and if you don't understand you can cut that off and pull it up and get some more wick you won't have a light that's very good so your light the light within you will be darkness if you have too much residue from the refinings that god has put you through now what is the residue Ooh, god if you don't do this soon i don't know what i'm gonna do so we got the complaint residue sitting up there needing to be trimmed off but we still complaining so it's still sitting up there so your light in you gets to be darkness because you don't stay in the fire long enough to let god burn this crap off of you and get this over with so that it can be totally burned off and you don't even have to go around trimming anything you ever notice sometimes when something ain't happen as fast as you want it to happen Ooh, i wonder why is a residue residue all them little guilt hangovers we go through and we didn't do this right we didn't do that right and i wonder if that's what it is that god's holding against me that i can't unfaithfulness is a big residue <laughs> when you need a prayer in an emergency you know if you wonder Mm. i wonder if it's that time i didn't do so and so i cut back on my tide whatever it is we didn't do on time i wonder if that's all that residue folks you got to keep that kind of stuff squared up and don't let that stuff hang around (laughs) so you you know in the time when you need your light and you need god to come through for you your faith isn't working the way it's supposed to you know the wise virgins have a relationship they they they, you know it's clean they can jump up and and get that lamp lit and run on out of there with full power where is he at i got my my body's burning bright i can see everything now huh so you got to have a burning bright lamp in order to see clearly because the bride has to make herself ready she got to get dressed she got to find oh what i do with them you know somebody gave me them pearls and they, i threw them things over in the jewelry box because they look cheap yeah but that's what the bridegroom prepared for you care if they look cheap or not beauty is always in the eye of the beholder if you see it as cheap it's gonna be cheap you see it as precious it's gonna be precious huh <laughs> he said all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps the foolish said to the wise give us of your oil our lamps are gone out Uh, listen religious people know the real thing when they see it 
Now, they might try to act all stupid and everything. And Oh, yeah, you know what? Oh, praise God, you had that at your church. Well, you know, at our church, we have so and so and such and such and so and so and such and such and so and so and such and such. Yeah, I can always tell on healing school. We have so many people falling in here from 20 years ago. <laughs> and they think church is a limelight thing until they get sick. See, they like the limelight because they can go every Sunday and watch what so-and-so is wearing. Huh? And they can wear their best and try to outdress so-and-so with that big bill they got from whoever it is they go to macy's or whoever they hang out at so that's you know for them it's a limelight thing you know they don't want to come here because it's them 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 people Uh, but they'll tell you you know if you get sick they'll tell you go over there to the watchman because they them women know god now they don't want to know him like we do because they scared it's going to cost them something see what i'm saying but they, they know God. Now you get healed over there. Huh? Huh? Like, like Nicodemus. When he was, he was in the synagogue and Jesus was healing people in there, he didn't know them. When he got hard up for an answer, the Bible says he came to Jesus by night. Huh? So he don't want to, there are a lot of people that don't want to reveal themselves. And expose themselves as people who have a need. Yeah. Limelight people don't really have a need. Yeah. They don't go to church for a need. Wow, they go there so they can watch the show. So they can jump up and shout and act crazy and do cartwheels and somersaults. And Now if you got that kind of energy, I'll let you do that all day long. Now don't think I'm going to stop you because I'm going to let you. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) But it was time for the words. You're going to shut up and sit down like everybody. (laughs) And turn this into no sideshow. People don't like that. They like places. When they think of church, there's an idea that pops into their head. And if what God has for you that keeps you filled is not their idea of what church is they don't go for it but they'll want to come at night when things are really bad in their lives and start to suddenly latch on to it and god helps people like that you know i'm not saying he never will but i'm saying there will come a time where that won't work anymore and it won't work anymore god will require something of people i know brother hagan they had their healing schools where they would just teach the word. They teach the word five days a week. You come in, and it's a requirement before you can come to a healing service and expect it to work and get prayed for that you attend the healing school to build your faith so that you, when you get prayed for, you will be healed. Most people won't submit to that. They want to instance something from God and want to run back over into the limelight, huh? where they can go over and hope nobody saw them over there from their home church. You got me? So, so we have this in the body of Christ all the time. And the Bible is saying here that there will come a time where that won't work for them anymore. It won't work for them anymore. It says at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom comes, go out and meet him. 
All those who virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Uh-uh, not so, because there won't be enough for us if we keep messing around with you. See, there's a time where time winds down. And the coming of the Lord is imminent, and you won't have time to deal with weight and anchor people. They will have to drop off and either find their way or not find their way, but at least they know that they don't have enough oil to find their way. They know something is missing, and they sense danger. And that's a really bad place to be in as a believer, being in the dark and not having resources to get more oil you got me and so they tell them this it says and the wise answered, no if we do that there won't be enough for us and you but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves so here they are in a predicament they don't have enough to respond to the bridegroom at the time he calls them so they wander off trying to find somebody who has extra oil to sell to them. And there must be people like that because the Bible says that they, they must exist or they wouldn't give them instruction to operate that way. So what that does is it prolongs the Lord's appearing because people are running around. They know something ain't right. They know they need God. And they're scrambling trying to find something for themselves so they don't miss the Lord. So this is why... People will say Jesus is coming soon and then time drags out a long time because he is mercifully waiting for those who are not ready to get themselves ready so that he doesn't miss anybody whose heart is toward him, but they're not wise enough to keep their lamps filled. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. See, There's a time where that will come to an end where he's not waiting on people who are stuck and stupid and don't know how to stay faithful to God. People who are easily distracted. You know, people who give up on God because they had one bad thing happen to them and now they sit at home and don't want to come to church and don't want to reach out to God, don't want to do anything, mad at the saints, all of that. It says, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. They were that were ready went with him into the marriage, and the door was shut. So he took all that were ordained to come with him at that time. Afterward also came the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. We want you. But he answered, I say to you, I don't know you. Jesus uses this phrase in several parables. Remember the people in the limelight, we cast out devils in your name. We did all this stuff in your name. And he said, depart from me, workers of iniquity, I did not know you. You got me? In other words, there is a place, I believe, where God will use somebody capable because there is somebody standing in need. Somebody sick. And you are willing to pray for them, God will use you. But he's not, let me put it to you this way, 
uh, a satisfactory relationship with him is not a prerequisite for him using you. You got me? It's just a, a need is being met, and he's able to call up somebody at that time to meet that need. But you can be used to God. You can prophesy in his name. You can cast out. You can do all these mighty works. Why? Because the, the, whole, the gifts are ministered as the Spirit wills. The Holy Spirit looks at things and says, well, here's somebody that's crazy enough to reach out to them for help, and they need help. So we need, that's the church's job to help people. So we'll use you to help somebody, but don't think that you're a wise virgin because all you're looking at is limelight stuff. Whether I can prophesy, whether I can... Uh, when I have a gift of healing, you're looking more at that for that reason and not through the compassion of God. See, those who know him have his heart. So when you pray for the sick, you minister out of compassion and a desire to heal and to help the way Jesus did. And then he knows you on that day of reward. But he looks at them and he says, I don't even know you. Where were you all those years? You let the oil run out in your lamp. You let it go stale. You didn't worship me. You didn't praise me. You didn't give. You didn't do anything. You just sat around with your limelight ministry, huh? Or with your limelight friends and talked about name dropping, huh? Who you know, who you, who you hang out, whose conference you went to, huh? And that's all you ever did. He knows the ones who are his. He knows the ones he meets in the secret place. Huh? He knows the ones who are faithful and true, just like he is. Verse 13, it says, watch therefore, so you don't know the day or the hour. In other words, it'll happen just like that, but we are to stay watchful. What does that mean, staying watchful? Go back to... Acts chapter 1, the end of Acts chapter 1, you'll see the answer. Don't stand there gazing and think you're waiting on some happening to happen, but go and receive your power that God has given us to do the works of God who sent us. And so if we're attentive to the power is what he said. Let me go back there myself. One verse 11, no, in verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses in all of these places that I'm going to send you. So if, if the answer to the question, when is he going to come, is you shall receive power, where's the power? where's the power see for those of us who really really know the Lord is going to come back we're looking for power to proceed his appearing I don't know about you but I don't have enough of it see I know what the amount I have can do 
And I see the need out there in humanity, and it ain't enough. You got me? It ain't enough. So I'm looking for the power to precede his appearing. Huh? So those of us who are really looking for him are looking for power to come first. Amen? And so if we don't see the power first, then we won't, we have no right to look for his appearing, do we? Huh? If we don't see the power first, we have no right to look for his appearing. Get this to Jackie for me. Thank you. And so those of us who know the Lord's return is imminent, the, the thing about keeping your lamp filled with oil means stay full of the power of God and look for more. Stay full of the power of God and anticipate more. Stay filled with the power of God. How do you get more? You use what you have. You got me? Because that, that lamp did not go out. She kept that lamp burning. That lamp was always ready to take out and provide light for those who are in darkness. That's your ministry. It's to take the gospel to all of these people and demonstrate the power of God. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that energizes and propels the Lord's return. The times when when the church went dark and the church went powerless were times when the gospel was not being preached. You see, these lulls that we have, we've been living from revival to revival with no sustained power for the Lord to return on because the, the lamps go dim. People start complaining about what they don't have yet from God and the reason they don't have it and all this kind of stuff. We're supposed to stay so filled with the Spirit of God that our faith should should provide for all of our personal needs without us getting stuck down the street somewhere begging God to give us something that we don't have yet. We're supposed to be filled with everything and have an overflow for those who are in darkness. So our light is to dispel darkness that overtakes the earth. But there have been times in the history of the church where darkness covers the earth and there's no preaching of the gospel. During the Middle Ages, it was common for monks to live away from the people. They lived in monasteries. Why? People can't handle persecution. And so this is what kills the fire in the church is the persecution that we we fear and that we face because whenever that power comes into the earth it's going to tear up destroy everything the devil has and he puts everything out there to stop it every single thing to stop it and so we have to be aware that if we are to keep our lamps filled so that the fire burns we have to continually be at the father's business we have to continually do what we know to do and we have to want to do it on a grander scale get more results get more deliverance get more uh, salvation get more of everything to to make the lord's return more imminent he can't come back until the work is done and so he wants to come back and he wants to have a bride filled with power he wants to have a bride without spot or wrinkle 
living right and living for him and knowing him and loving him above all things. He wants that. And he is releasing that to us. It's not hard to receive from God. You just have to ask him for what you want. And so ask him, God, I want to be that bride who's always ready. I want to be that bride who anticipates your return. How does that happen? I believe there are some things that are promised to the body of Christ that we have not experienced yet, that we are anticipating. I know I anticipate it all the time. I'm always looking for that Acts 1-11 thing, the 1-8, you shall receive power. See, what do I need power for? I need to help somebody. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't like that now we got laws where if you try to, uh, to deliver a homosexual from that bondage, you could go to jail. You see what I'm saying? So the darkness has gotten a grip on things and got a snare out there laid for the church, and she's afraid to step into it. Why? Power. The problem's the power. It's, it's because... The power of righteousness emboldens us to be fearless about what we face. See, the reason we don't do it, well, I just don't feel the unction. I don't feel lit. Yeah, that's a power problem. There's not anything, nothing less than a power problem. See, we should never be satisfied with ministry at the level that we have it. Because you look in the book of Acts and and what we do on a one-on-one going into the street, they spoke a word and 5,000 heard and responded to it all in one time. So we don't have it, you see. We've got to crave that. We've got to expect it. We've got to pray for it and we've got to anticipate it. We've got to know there's more coming, that this isn't the end of it. This is not where it stops. You know, just praying in tongues a little bit and and doing this a little bit and that a little bit and and witnessing to somebody maybe once or twice a year whenever somebody shows up or somebody says, something ain't right. You know, it's like the, (laughs) I remember when cars went from eight cylinders to six, you know, I was a little disappointed. I don't know about y'all, but I (laughs) I grew up in that, you know, your foot was in the floor and the car still didn't go very far. Huh? Well, it's so bad for the environment. I loved it. I don't care what it's bad for. It was good for me. Took me a while to get adjusted to that. And to this day, I don't like it. Huh? I have, we used to have cars. You could race them. I'd. I had when I <laughs> when I got grown and got me my first car, I had a brand new Monte Carlo. I had a girlfriend that had a Grand Prix, and you know, uh, GM would compete with themselves with their you know their engineers and stuff like that. And I remember she and I was both sitting at the light at one time on the way to work. <clears throat> <clears throat> And that Grand Prix, somehow, that thing was, it, that engine was like it, like that, you know, right off, right out the gate. I said, damn, I wish I got that car. <laughs> she smoked me. All right. She already in the, in the, you know, parking lot at the hospital. I'm still 
getting down there. Right, 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 right. Well, Chevy was known as a housewife's car anyway. It was powerful, but it's kind of tame. It didn't take <laughs> I didn't want that. Don't give me that thing. Uh, stable, you know, very dependable cars. They always were. But uh, that's the difference between what we have now and what we're promised by God. See? We got to have the V8 and then some. You got me? <laughs> and I believe that there are analogies in the natural world where people prefer slower engines, less power, you know, less of this. Isn't you can't do that because it's not right for this. All this caution and all of this, you know, there's not enough power there, though. You see what I'm saying? It, it doesn't do enough. It's not, it's not adequate for the job we need to do. So whenever you cry for more power, people, oh, look, I'm power hungry. Oh, yeah, I am power hungry. Because I know what it's supposed to be able to do when I look in the Bible. I see what our preaching is supposed to yield. And then I look at what we're able to do, and it doesn't match up. See, there's something missing there. And there has to be an element where people anticipate more power from God. So those are the wise virgins that have the inner lamp flame going. And they keep stoking that inner lamp. Limelight people like it the way it is. See, they have their crowd they have their TV show. They have their mailing list. They sell their ads. They're on television. They like it like that. So in many ways, they are competing against the bride with the inner flame that wants to see that flame fan because we know that if people can stay doped up while the Lord tarries, they can go to sleep in the limelight, think they got God, and don't really have anything. You take all of those people at all of those huge meetings, and you show me somebody who's out witnessing and praying for the sick, and I'm telling you, if they do, I'm shocked. You know why I'm shocked? Because they're not taught that in those meetings. If they get it, they got to go home and get their own Bible and get it themselves. And many of them get it because they have such a desperate need for it. The meetings where people are taught these things get smaller and smaller. And the limelight crowd gets bigger and bigger. Now they're all wanting a prophecy every other day. And see, that's going to stop too. Because they're realizing most of this stuff don't come to pass because they, they're like, I don't know you. The I don't know you crowd is not going to get a prophecy to come to pass. You get it to come to pass by knowing God. You walk with him, it'll all happen for you. You got me? You stay close to Jesus. Everything that's on his heart, you'll know about it. And you'll be a partaker of it because it'll come to you. Just out of relationship. You got me? So, yeah, we don't have enough power, folks. And, yeah, the Lord's return is imminent, but not. It's always that way. See? But I believe if you keep your, your lamp filled and your wick trimmed, 
you know, just make sure when you get ready to crank up the volume, you don't have a lot of stuff hindering. You know what I say? When, like, it's like this. When I Sometimes when I pray, I ask the Lord, I say, God, uh, I just really would like more power. Then I get stupid and ask this question. Why don't I have more power? See, that's the, the burned up wick that's talking like that. See, people in faith don't ask why not. You can't fix why not anyway. So why are you asking? Just more power, God. Pour it on. Huh? Just pour it on. Huh? Just pour it on. Just pour it on. Just pour it on. If you weren't qualified to receive it, he wouldn't put it on your heart to ask for it. You don't ask for nothing you're not qualified to receive. So we need to get past all this religious nonsense of, because see, that's why people invent these limelight ministries. Because they've long since figured out they don't qualify. But they want something. So they create their own reality of God. You know? The true preachers of so-and-so. and See, that's that's how they live. It's a reality show out there. It's just pretense and flash and dance and you know millionaires laying hands on millionaires in the pulpit and all this nonsense it needs to stop and and, but don't let that stop you from asking for the power see don't let what they do affect you and distract you that's just another little sideshow out there But when I look in my Bible, it says that the believers went everywhere preaching, and the Lord confirmed it with signs following. Believers, not just preachers, but believers. Amen. So this is going to stir up the believer in everybody. Got me? The person who just wants to do the Lord's will, who lives for doing God's will. Who understands that God, God's will is the most important will on the earth and is willing to do that no matter what. Amen. And see, when we get to that spot where we're ready to and ready to trust one another as the five wise, yeah. the five wise start getting together and they create more wise. Yeah. And stop fighting each other and start working together and create more wise. Yeah. And see, God knows how to pull that together. Amen. See, I find all the time I find people come out of nowhere wanting what I know God is saying he's going to do for his church. You see them here a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. And you see and you come together and you learn that you can work with people. And I would always think to myself back in the early days, I said, God, why is it that we can work with people for a while and then they get angry, they get stupid or fall out with you or something like that never got an answer and so now i'm seeing that what god is doing he sorts people out and then he gathers them together again and he begins to sort them out and he gathers them together again and he will sort you out and he will gather you together again and so i want to be in that wise bunch that's gathered together with the lord that understands what the need is that we need power. Yes. Amen. Use the power that you have, but always ask for more. Yes. 
crave more power, crank it up, God. We need more of it, and we need more people to walk in it who are willing to be wise and walk in it and not forsake you and leave you and go into the limelight and get distracted by nonsense. Don't covet what belongs to another man. Or what he has. Let me put it that way because a lot of times people don't have what belongs to them. Do nothing but copy and steal from other people. Cut and paste. Huh? You can have a cut and paste ministry, telling you. But stay true to the Lord. He'll give you your own thing that you're called to do. And you'll know by the fruit that God has sent you because he'll be able to validate and confirm his word that you preach with signs following. He will show you what's right. Show you what's not right. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we... Let me pray in the spirit for a minute. And before you do that, Miss Tanya, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Who is that roaming around there in that red jacket? Saith the Lord, you shall receive. You shall receive. You shall receive. It's always written in the future says the Spirit of God. Not that you don't have power now, but you shall. It's a continual outpouring from heaven, says the Lord. One level of glory, another level of glory, one weight of glory in your life, another weight of glory in your life, says the Lord. You shall continually receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He comes upon you one time, and he continually imparts power to you. In the times where you don't know it, in the times when you do know it, says the Spirit of God, that one baptism continually infuses power into your spirit man and the power from without that clothes you and drapes you for service, says the Spirit of God. And understand how the power works. The Holy Spirit is your teacher, and he is the power from on high, says the Lord. Understand how the power works and always crave for more, says the Lord. Those who hunger and thirst for power, the power of righteousness will be filled, says the Spirit of God. You will always be filled, said the Lord. For I will fill you and refill you, says the Spirit of the living God. Stay filled with the Spirit. Stay filled. Stay filled and you won't miss anything. You'll know me. You'll be fully equipped for every good work, says the Lord. You will be fully equipped. You will be fully equipped. Fully, not partially. Fully equipped, says the Lord. And know this day that I have given you this word to bring light, revelation, to dispel darkness that might cloud your mind. To reassure you that you are on the right road, that you are doing the right thing, if you will stay steady on that road, says the Spirit of God. For I know what I have ordained my bride to do. I know what I can impart to her. I know how precious she is to me. 
I know when she's ready for another impartation. I know all of these things, and I am ready and willing to impart it to you this day, says the Spirit of God. So understand that there is no problem that I can't resolve. But there must be power, says the Lord. There must be an increase in the power of my glory upon the earth, says the Lord. For as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with it because my people will be filled with it. And understand that I have called you to a unique place in the earth, but it's not a rare place. Others have stood in it and others will continue to stand in it. For it is an ordained place for you, says the Spirit of God. And many will be called to this place. Many will not be chosen, says the Lord. But it will be of their own decision, says the Spirit of God. I don't reject anybody. So if I've called you to this place, you shall receive, says the Lord. You will receive a continual inflowing and infilling of my precious Holy Spirit says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to stand right in front of a chair. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, See who's back there. Miss Diane, see if those girls can just stop what they're doing for right now. Tell them to unplug whatever it is or whatever. Tell them just to come in for right now for a minute. She can leave it on. Tell her just turn it down. Yeah, both of you come in here for a minute. I'm just over there just wait. Like he don't know what to do. But the Lord says that you're in a different spot in your life now. He's changing your pace, the pace at which you move. He said, if you slow down a little bit, you'll get that glory you've been asking him for. You want to walk in, and he knows it. He said, just wait for him. It's there for you. She's been on mom pace for 25 years, so now she got to get on a little slower pace, and God's there for her. It's just take a little... A little, you know, when you when you need God on the fly, He's there for you on the fly. But we come to different phases in our relationship with God, and we need to find out where He is and where He's moving. So, for her, He's gonna move at a little slower pace. Amen. Praise God. Amen. He says you're gonna be able to delegate more, Miss Nola. You won't have to be so hands on, and that He'll be able to give you that freedom that you need to meditate with Him and. And do the things you need to do to stay fully, fully filled. Fully filled. Amen. Fully filled. Praise God. Well, Lord, we thank you. 